the concept of mental health on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions for the problems that people face. And this week on the podcast, I am joined by Dr. Sam Stevens. Dr. Stevens is the director of our training center certification, and he's going to join me this week to talk about a very important topic, at least in the month of May. During the month of May, it has been known since 1949 as Mental Health Awareness Month. And so we wanted to get together to discuss this idea of mental health. Uh, This month, many people are celebrating the ideas of mental health, wanting to make other uh, folks aware of the idea of mental health. And Dr. Stevens and I wanted to get together to discuss this concept, this idea. It seems to have become a dominant way of thinking in the modern world. And so uh, we wanted to try and bring some clarity, some biblical thought uh, as we think about this concept that's thrown around quite regularly. So Dr. Stevens, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. The term mental health carries several different connotations that work against the aims of biblical counseling. And we want to help our listeners to see that there are actually several problems that lie behind a label like this. Before we discuss some of the history and philosophy behind this concept, the concept of mental health, could you break down the concept for our listeners? Yeah, the idea of mental health is uh, somewhat am- ambiguous. And even when you look at the definitions that, that people offer, uh, historically it has uh, a wide range of definitions and even expressions in the modern. Is it something different and distinct from psychiatry? Is it something different and distinct from psychology? I mean, what is the aim of mental health. You know, as we approach it and we think about these terms, we just look at the two definitions. Think about the idea of mental. Uh, what does that mean? Are, are we talking about something that's non-biological? Uh, because that's interesting when we also join that with the idea of health. Most of the time when we speak about health, we're thinking about something that is biological, physiological. We're thinking about something that is, uh, you know, has an ideal type of function. And so when we mix the two, we're talking about the importance of biblical anthropology relative to the immaterial and the material, and how do those two things work together? So when we put these ideas together, mental health, uh, it becomes quite confusing. Uh, In mental, are we talking about brain? Are we talking about the mind? Uh, And those two things can become quite confusing, especially when we're uh, referring to mental health as a state of being. Um, to to conjoin that with the idea of health becomes quite confusing because how do we measure that? Do we measure that in the same way that we would measure physiological health or sickness? Um, And so that becomes the the difficult way for us to think about that. It becomes very subjective. But one of the things, you know, that we, we have to understand is that the idea of mental health has evolved quite a lot over time. And so it's something that has, uh, Uh, been built upon a philosophical narrative that's existed for uh, a couple of hundred years at least. And so so it's important that we understand the subjective nature of it and what uh, what those who push mental health awareness are trying to accomplish by utilizing these types of terms. Right. And so I think it's really important that you mention that, that uh, just like any other term, mental health does not just uh, develop in a vacuum 
it carries with it a lot of weight. And so I think our listeners might appreciate a little historical background going through some major points in history where this term did develop, evolve into something different, and maybe how it's popularly understood today. Yeah, I would say that uh, we've always, to some degree or another, been concerned about uh, the state of a person's mind, how we handle and interact with life that goes on around us. But what we began to see in the, the middle part of the 19th century is really a, a joining of uh, forces or ideas. And this idea or concept was built upon um, this this framework of what they referred to, Clifford Beers particularly, referred to as mental hygiene. Now, it's important that we understand how this developed because the idea of mental hygiene was a reaction to psychiatric medicine at the time. If you understand about the history of psychiatry and the history of psychiatric medicine, you really began to see during that era in the early part of the 19th century into heavily into the 20th century, psychiatry utilizing all kinds of different methods in the in asylum medication that were quite barbaric. E- even many today would, would argue that they were barbaric in the way in which they treated human beings. And it, it was built upon an evolutionary narrative, right? So it was built upon this idea that uh, something was wrong with the biological person, the, the genomic structure or the hereditary aspects of a person's being. And so they would put them aside into an asylum and they would do all kinds of different types of barbaric psychiatric uh, techniques to try and heal a person from this madness that they were experiencing. To be fair to mental hygiene, mental hygiene was really an attempt to treat the patients humanely. Uh, There was this concept that man, these people are really sick, something is wrong with them, and we're not even treating them with, uh, with humane sense. And so this idea of mental hygiene really took off, uh, particularly in the U.S. and then in the world at large. The World Health Organization actually recognized uh, this term mental hygiene and began the ideas of mental health. One of their primary goals and roles was to utilize this concept of mental hygiene to protect those who had been so mistreated with psychiatric techniques. And so when we think about the difference between mental hygiene and mental health, mental hygiene was was basically this attempt to include all types of measures in order to promote what they believe to be a mentally healthy state. Now, what's happened over time is mental hygiene, that term, has has rescinded and gone away, and it's been replaced with this idea of mental health. And, and along with this, essentially what's happened is it's put forward our naturalistic worldviews. And the idea of mental health is, is trying to utilize, okay, what is a healthy state of being? Because the definition of mental health is basically just regarding some sort of condition that an individual has that gives them some sort of healthy state of being. And, and the idea is that we're to look at the, the uh, social environment, we're to look at the context of a person and what it is in the environment that provides for them a way to live uh, healthy from a mental standpoint, from a mental state. Now, what we have to be careful of there, I think, is what do we mean when we talk about the term healthy, right? That's the question. Is the culture defining that? Is the individual defining that? What What's healthy? Certainly in our Western culture, we would see that what defines human health is does a person feel good about themselves? Uh, do they feel like they fit in with the culture at large? Do they feel like they're able to live 
their best life in this particular moment? Uh, do they feel good um, about themselves relative to self-esteem? And, and that's how mental health is often defined. And are we building environments around ourselves, pursuing these as really mediums of hope to make us feel better about the things that are going on in and around us? You know, and as we as we think about that, that becomes problematic because now we're looking to environment to shape the possibility of us even being healthy. So if I, if I hear you right, we understand uh, modern psychology and mental health, mental health, mental hygiene is a reaction to modern psychology in the sense that modern psychology did away with the soul, dehumanized people, and especially in the practice of psychiatry specifically. Yeah, I would definitely say that. Um, and we would maybe say psychology at large, but psychiatry and the practice of it in particular. The framework. The framework. That's exactly right. Because that was moving into what in the bigger portion and bigger discussion that, that we could talk about is biological psychiatry, that type of psychiatry, which was based on explaining a person and what comes from a person from what was going on in their physiological being. And so, yeah, mental hygiene was definitely a reaction uh, to the extremities that that was going to during the, the latter part of the 19th century. And at least at face value, we can look at the the purposes and the reasons behind mental hygiene as, as a good thing. We want to bring humanity back to the human, in a sense. But what's important for us to understand as the church, and and our listeners need to understand, is that, again, like every other concept, mental hygiene, mental health carry a lot of weight. It's not a neutral term. So what's problematic? And you mentioned some of this already, uh, built on a naturalistic understanding. uh, But bring it kind of back down to us as listeners, as we practice biblical counseling in the church, as we seek to bring Scripture to bear upon the, um, the problems that people face, uh, what is what's the uh, caution behind using the idea of mental health? Yeah, the caution is I think the the worldview that it's built on and what it forces us to aim at. So what it forces us to begin to aim at is the environment is what creates the state of being that we want, and we're the one choosing the state of being that we want to pursue. And uh, contrary to scripture. Um, that's not what Scripture portrays with us, is what mental health has built is a therapeutic culture, a culture at which uh, we try to pursue everything that we think, quote-unquote, heals us or makes us feel better. And while that sounds religious and healthy, uh, the problem about that is, is it begins to breed the question of what does it mean to be healthy? Because from a Christian narrative, we would define that very very differently. So I'll give an example. It's an example that I use quite a bit in my teaching when we ask the question, what does it mean to be healthy? And I think the idea of mental health really is not reaching far enough. It's only concerned about that which is temporal and how it defines that which is healthy. For example, let's say that we have a 65-year-old uh, who has been diagnosed with cancer, but they've been a faithful believer, a follower of the Lord Jesus. They've served very well in the church. Um, they have grown in their faith and the exaltation of Christ in their life. They've been conformed to the image of the Lord, but they're dying, and maybe they've been given months to live, and they're laying on their deathbed in hospice care. And the world would look at that person and say, man, they're not very healthy. Um, now let's compare that person from a biblical worldview with someone who's, let's say, 25, maybe they just graduated from somewhere like MIT, and they're working up the corporate ladder, things are going well for them, physically they seem to be in in good order, but they don't know the Lord Jesus. 
Now, if we take the scriptures and we really begin to dive in on who's more healthy, the person laying on their deathbed or the person who's climbing the corporate ladder and to all appearances looks to be, quote unquote, healthy, I think it begins to beg the question for us as to what how do we f- define that which is healthy? And I would argue, biblically speaking, the person who's laying on their deathbed who is secure in the promises of the Lord Jesus is much more healthy. Why? Because biblically, the Bible says life is a vapor, and that all could end for the 25-year-old at a moment's notice. And then the way the Bible describes him is he will be, he will be spending an eternity in darkness forever. And that's the ultimate sickness, to die the second death to be separated from God forever. So it really begins to beg the question of, are we looking at that which is temporal to fill us up with what we feel like is something that's healthy, that our feelings feel good and that sort of thing? Uh, Think about Jesus in the high priestly prayer. Um, He's not so worried about the environment that the disciples and those who would come after the disciples would be involved in. He actually requests of the Father... Uh, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. And he doesn't ask for the disciples to be taken out of the world, but to help them to walk through the world. This world, by the way, if you remember in Scripture, Jesus said that uh, was filled with trouble of all sorts and all kinds. And if they treated him with uh, animosity, certainly the disciples would be treated the same way. And so Jesus didn't saying that their health or ability to live in life is dependent upon the the environment that they walk in. It's actually dependent upon the promises and the eschatological hopes that they're looking toward that are going to help sustain them in a healthy way as they exemplify Christ and and, uh, bear the image of God through the suffering and the difficulty of this world. So it really just breeds a backwards paradigm mm. that can be quite problematic that that our church culture has adopted to a great degree, and, and it's quite problematic, I think. And why do you think, in, in your own estimation, why do you think this has become such a novel idea? Why is it so common for us to be thinking in terms of mental health, mental hygiene, uh, mental health probably more so? Why do we think in terms of that versus in terms of a more biblical paradigm regarding, you mentioned, the long-term eternal hope that we have. Yeah, I think in brief what happens is uh, it it puts uh, us in a position where we feel like we have some sort of authority and power over our state of being. Uh, Rather than putting ourselves hopelessly on uh, the work of the Lord Jesus and the, the, the promises that He's granted, knowing that we can't dictate our environment. We can't determine what happens in and around us. Uh, we sit under the rule and reign of a sovereign God, and we can't manage all the things that go on around us. However, in that concept of mental health, if we can manage the environment around us, we feel some somewhat in control of our state of being, of our, of our, even our mental state. And so I think to us, that's enticing to the eye. It feels good that we might have some sort of control or we can manipulate the environment around us to build some sort of uh, healthy mindset. In addition to that, would you say that the concept of mental health also essentially replaces a biblical anthropology, a biblical view of man? Yeah, absolutely. And it minimizes it to uh, looking inward and then to the the temporal world uh, for help and hope. And so I think in that way, what, what happens is it really alters a true anthropology, what we would consider to be a Christian or a biblical anthropology. And, and along with that, what happens is we begin to redefine terms. And instead of 
us uh, from a Christian perspective looking toward being redeemed and being restored biblically speaking, or understanding what true sickness was all about, whether that be soulish sickness or physical sickness. Notice in places like Mark chapter 5, the woman who had an issue of blood, she had looked at all the temporal places for help. She could find none. Jesus was actually the answer even for for the physical problems that she had. Uh, And we look at so many other places. Jesus is the answer for all the, the internal soulish problems that we deal with as well from a biblical perspective. And I think us uh, reinstating a biblical anthropology and looking toward not temporal hope, but that which is future hope, which uh, the gospel writers always tend toward. Jesus is focusing toward that which is coming in the kingdom. Uh, This is what the writer of Hebrews describes in Hebrews 13, that Abraham was longing for a city which was to come. Paul uh, in Titus chapter 2, verse 13, he's looking specifically uh, toward the blessed appearance of the Lord Jesus. Why? Because he knows this environment is not a place that's going to foster healthy thinking or healthy state of mind. It's the promises of what's to come. We need to restore what the Bible describes as eschatological hope, that hope which is to come. Our hope is not now. And I think the biggest danger about mental health and being aware of quote-unquote mental health is that we are uh, looking at a facade, thinking that hope is in the temporal, when what we should be looking at is the hope that will restore us once and for all. It's really a replacement of God as being sovereign. It's really a replacement of God sitting on His throne and thinking that there's another way that we can manufacture a state of feeling, a state of being that really operates as a shadow of hope. The real hope is that we long for and look forward to being satisfied with what's to come, the environment that God is making even now, that Jesus is preparing even now for us to long for, to look forward to. And the Bible claims that that, is a, that allows us to walk boldly and firmly planted as Christ is the anchor of our soul through the difficulty of this world, longing for the next. Well, thank you for bringing clarity to, to us and equipping us to further dialogue about what it looks like to to interact with the idea of mental health. And um, I think basically showing us that, that the pursuit of mental health is an attempt to merely preserve the ideal self versus a, a true biblical sufficient hope in Jesus Christ who redeems us, who justifies us, and sanctifies us. And one clarification that we need to make is that, that I'm not against at all uh, someone pursuing what it means to be healthy in heart and mind. In fact, the Bible actually pushes us toward that. What I'm saying is that the function, the way in which we go about doing that, biblically speaking, is very different than what's offered through the paradigm uh, of modern mental health. We are called to die to self so that we can live at peace with God in the world no matter the environment that's around us. And so we need to understand we're not against the idea of being healthy and being at peace. We're just saying that God gives us the means by which to pursue what it means to be truly healthy and to be truly at peace as we walk through life. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. We are doing some very neat things for our members. So if you're a certified member of ACBC, I want to invite you tomorrow 
we're doing a webinar. It's the first of its kind. It's one of the ways that we want to serve you as members to have uh, exclusive rights to materials that we're going to produce live. So you can get on our website and find out about uh, our newest webinar. We're going to be talking about the church and the church's role and responsibility to reinvigorate the idea that the church is the institution God ordained and is responsible for the care of souls. It will be a live interaction for those of you who are certified members. So join us for the webinar May 14th at 6 p.m. Central Time. Sign up for it so that you'll have access to this exclusive opportunity for members. If you want more information about the webinar or anything we've talked about today on the podcast, you can visit us at biblicalcounseling.com.